Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for that time of worship. Hey, church family, I want to invite you now during this time, if you if you know from or remember way back in March, whenever we were gathered together corporately in our worship gathering, we would typically come together at this time to collect our tithes and our offerings. So as you see there on your screen, you can go to homesavenue.com forward slash give and give of your tithes and your offerings, whatever you feel led to give that the Lord is directing you to do. You can do that there at that link. I just want to again thank you for uh, your faithfulness to giving over these past few months. God has just blessed us, and we've seen some great things come of our giving to the mission. So I just want to continue to and urge you, keep doing that as we are on mission for God, and we're continuing to do this for His glory. I want to bring to your attention now, we are moving into the time of our word being proclaimed, the word of God being proclaimed, and today we are continuing in our James sermon series. As you know, for those that were able to tune in last week, we uh, took a little pause in the midst of that for Father's Day, and Pastor Walter gave a great message out of the book of Deuteronomy, uh, a powerful message directing fathers, and all of us for that matter, in coming alongside discipling, but especially our children. So thank you, brother, for doing that. I want to now bring our attention back to James. We're starting with James chapter 2 today. We're going to be in verses 1 through 13, as I said a little bit earlier. And in doing so today, we're going to see James continue on, moving in his letter to the readers here. that are, And for us today, even, as we read this, we are seeing this continual charge of how to live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. Remember, we've got the title of this sermon series, Faith in Action, the book of James. And in doing so, we've seen so far, just to catch you up, the joy through trials from week one. We saw in there in the the middle of chapter one, we saw the, the goodness of God on display for us. And then we finished chapter one with hearing and doing and being obedient to the word of God. Well, today we continue in this series, and James is specifically looking at this topic of not showing partiality as followers of Jesus Christ. And for the sermon title today, I've entitled it Living and Loving Like Jesus. And so I want to go ahead and dive right into it. And with saying that and doing so, I want to invite you wherever you are, maybe in your home group or you're at home watching this, wherever you may be, we typically stand to honor the reading of God's word. So I want to bring that to your attention now and ask you to do so as we read, starting in verse 1 of James chapter 2. The word of the Lord says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among and become judges with evil? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man, and you, excuse me, you have dishonored the poor man, and are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you must love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do not murder and have become a transgressor of the law... So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. 
For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the time now, Lord, after we've already proclaimed your name in song and worshiped you, Lord. As we come to your word now, God, and, and we worship you in the studying of your word and the proclaiming of it, I pray that you be with me as I proclaim your word. I pray, God, that you would get me out of the way, that you would speak, that you would move in this moment. God, that you would make the distractions fade away, Lord, that we would hear directly from you. Father, that there's something that we need to be convicted of, something we need to hear, something that we would need to repent of, something that we need to step out boldly in faith and trust you with to move forward in our sanctification process and our growing in our relationship with you. Then may it be done, Lord. May your will be done during this time. We pray, Lord, that you get the glory, the honor, and the praise that you so rightfully deserve. In Christ's strong name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, church, uh, as you know, being a, a, a good old Baptist preacher as I am, I'm going to give you three points in those overarching of those three today. We're going to see that followers of Jesus Christ show no partiality. They must love their neighbors and must live according to the law of liberty. So that first point there is that followers of Jesus Christ show no partiality. Look at verse 1 with me. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. James is making it clear here for all of us that are reading this that those that are followers of Jesus Christ, as we see at the start of this passage, there is to be no place for partiality shown to one compared to another. There is no place for prejudice. There's no place for any kind of thing of that matter in the life of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Showing partiality towards one person or people group as opposed to another fails to treat anyone as an image bearer of God. Now we know from looking in God's word, you'll recall with me in Genesis chapter 1, starting in 26 and 27, the word says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And we see here, when we see this term partiality, we see in the original language that we can also get from that favoritism or, or something of that sort. And it can basically be described as to accept or judge according to face. Which means showing favoritism to one opposed to another based on how he looks or there is an appearance here. Now we see from the example of what we're going to see in the upcoming verses that James gives this example of a rich man compared to a poor this can also go deeper than that. It can, it can go into anything. If we look at someone and we have partiality towards one or the other, we are showing favoritism to one compared to the other. We are not showing the love of Christ to one as we are the other. We cannot have partiality in that regard. We must be faithful, obedient followers of Jesus Christ. We must do this regardless of status, regardless of wealth, ancestry, anything of that sort. As we see in our world today, even skin color. James describes here at the end of verse 1, he says that hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. This Lord of glory, our King Jesus Christ, He deserves all of our worship and our honor and our praise. 
So if we hold the faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and He gets all the glory in our lives, we must obviously understand that if we are showing partiality, we are sinning against one compared to the other. We are not bringing God glory as we have covered in previous weeks. Now look here from 2 to 4. He gives this exact example. Verse 2, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You sit here in the good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and made judgments with evil thoughts? James, again, he's very direct, is he not, in his writings. We see here that he gives this specific example. And in doing so, it's almost this parable-like form that his half-brother, our King Jesus, would do all throughout his Gospels as we read them in the Word. We would see all of these different parables. This parable-like form of what James is doing here shows this example of the rich man coming in to an assembly or in a worship time. And in doing so, the rich man is favored over this poor man. The rich person is told in this example, you sit here in the good place. Almost to say, here, you sit here on the front pew. You get to have this seat of honor for yourself. And then looking at the poor man, basically saying, you stand over here. You stand in the back. Showing favoritism, showing partiality to this one compared to the other. Now, these are distinctions that are made between the two. It's, it's to show this partiality one to the other, and it's not Christ-like at all. The rich here is described by his fine clothing as opposed to the poor man. James is rebuking those who would do that, and he even calls out to them in verse 4 about having these distinctions and, and calls them that we are judges with evil thoughts if we do something of that nature. Now, this is whether it's in, a, in the confines of a church building, in the confines of a church gathering, anywhere like that, whether it is to another Christian or to an outsider, we cannot show this type of partiality. There must be a love directed to all to show the love of Christ. And as followers of Christ, we are called to judge someone not by anything like that. Now, there are times in our life where we see examples. If we are walking brother to brother, sister to sister in our congregation or something of that sort, we are in a discipling relationship with someone and we see that they are in sin, we are called to bring to light that sin to them and to guide them through that. But just to have an example of what James is saying here and to show partiality just because of a look or an appearance of one compared to another, that is sin. That is wrong. We should love them all and have the same attitude and look at them in the same way that our Lord does. Matter of fact, if you will recall in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7b, it says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at an outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We should not be judging by appearance. We should not look at just those things. We should be looking at the whole person. We should be looking at the fact that they are image bearers of God, as I read from Genesis a few moments ago. Now again here in verse 4, I say that James is very direct in this hypothetical parable, this example that we see, and it points to how Christians who judge this have evil thoughts. Ouch! I've told you continually through this study so far that James is very direct, 
And the book of James is a very difficult book to process as we grow in our sanctification process. We see things that the Word of God reveals to us that we may need to repent of as we are growing in this. And that is good. The Holy Spirit reveals things to us that we must repent of to continue to grow and pursue that holiness in our lives. He says there they do so with evil thoughts. These distinctions, this partiality, favoritism, it's sinful. And they are being judges. They are not being hospitable, loving people. James later tells us in James 4.12, and we'll see this in several weeks, this is one, this is only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Obviously talking about our Lord. This is only reserved for and by God Almighty as he sits sovereignly on his throne. James also, in that tail end of verse 4, indicates to us anyone who does so is wicked. It's evil. Verse 5, he says, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? We see here first that James says, Listen, my beloved brothers. He wants to ensure to the readers, ensure to us as we read this today, that we are paying very close attention. And he says that God has chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. Despite the fact of the effects of this world and sin, those who are in Christ inherit the kingdom of God. And because God honors them, we should as well. Now, this doesn't mean that the, the poor are, are guaranteed their salvation, no. But he is indicating that this affirmation that we see elsewhere in Scripture of how the Lord's care and provision for those disadvantaged, we can see that. We see how there are those who are, we are told to care for those that are in poor, those that are in need. They are usually, typically, as we see in Scripture, rich in faith. A tale in there, verse 5, rich in faith. And heirs of the kingdom. Verse 6 tells us, But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? We see here that James offers this question of why this assembled church would do such things to the poor when the worldly rich, the lost that are rich, actually oppress and exploit them. Why would they do that? You see, in the first century, these merchants and landowners, they would take the land and the possessions of the poor. And James talks about this more, and we'll see it in chapter 5 when we get there. But we can see in the Old Testament examples of the rich dragging the poor into the court system to steal from the poor. And, and there's a, an opportunity where we see in 80, 66 through 70, this, this war that breaks out because of it. Verse 7 tells us that are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? James takes 6 a little bit further with 7 and indicates how the rich unbelievers blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ. The fact there that it tells us in verse 7 that we have this example that are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? We are called by the honorable name of the Lord Jesus Christ. These people that he is referring to, these who are being taken advantage of, they are called by the name of the honorable Lord Jesus Christ. 
And in doing so, they are blaspheming the name of Jesus when they do this. They go after and they take advantage of the ones who belong to Christ. It is wrong. They blaspheme this honorable name of our Lord. And this also, by doing so, this is this notion of this continual rejection of the Lord by those who are wealthy unbelievers that leads to this continual sin due to said rejection. I mean, we see it in the world play out before us every day. If a person doesn't know Christ, they're continually living by the world's standards. They are continually living for the next gain in their life. They're continually living for the next dollar, for the next promotion, for whatever it is. They are living for things of this world to gain understanding of, to grow more in acceptance, whatever it may be. They are shooting for the American dream. They're shooting for the next dollar, whatever it is. They are not pursuing Christ. And we, if you profess Christ, you know that that is not what this life is worth living for. This life as being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's about surrender. It's about living for Jesus. It's about giving of yourself to help those in need. Example being the poor. Widows, orphans, those that are in need. Not living for things that are of this world. And not only do we see that followers of Jesus Christ are not to show partiality, but followers of Jesus Christ must love their neighbors. Look at verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Here James specifically refers to the royal law being fulfilled and how we are to love our neighbors. Now what does he mean by this church? He says there, royal law. He doesn't just say the law. And James is not looking at just the Old Testament law when he says this here, but he is looking to the law as being interpreted and fulfilled by our King Jesus Christ. He himself, Jesus, quotes the love ruling towards our neighbors and summarizes all the law and the prophets when he says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Remember that? Sounds familiar from last week, does it not? This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus makes sure during his ministry as he's proclaiming and, and telling everyone around him of what is to come, he is teaching them the things of God and he is making it clear that this is the way a follower is supposed to live, focused on caring for those that are around him. You say, well, Brian, I, don't, I, I hear that and I, I hear what you're saying and loving my neighbor as myself, but man, I, I don't love myself. I don't care for myself. I'm not happy with myself. I'm not happy with my life. Let me ask you a question. Do you feed yourself? Do you take care of yourself? Well, probably not as much as I should. No, but you still take care of yourself. You still make sure that you have a roof over your head. You still make sure that you have provisions in your life. You do have love and care for yourself. And in doing so, the same love and care you have for yourself should be shown to others. Now, James here, when he refers to this as the royal law, he says also according to the scriptures, which is a quote from Leviticus 19, 18. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
very direct message. We must love our neighbors as ourselves. If you profess Christ as Lord, this must be your heart's cry. Yes, you want to glorify God with your life first and foremost, but out of that overabundance of love and living for God, you care for your neighbors. You care for those that are around you. You show no partiality. You are there for your brother or your sister when they are in need. You care for them. You do not show distinctions to them despite their status, despite their race, despite anything of that matter. You show them the same love that Christ has shown us. Verse 9, But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Again, James very direct. By showing partiality towards the rich over the poor in this example, or favoring a person because of whatever it may be, the examples even that I gave you a second ago, over another, this is not loving our neighbors as Scripture teaches us. And as verse 9 says, we are committing sin and are convicted by the law. Now look at 10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. That is very straight and direct. I'll say it again. Whoever keeps the whole law, we can keep every single bit of the law, but fails in one point, has become guilty of it all. Now what does he mean in that? Look at verse 11. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder you have become a transgressor of the law. Now, church, you might say, well, Brian, you're, you're referencing the law. Are you talking more about the Old Testament? I, I thought we were under the new covenant with Christ. Well, yes, but here's the thing. None of us could keep the Old Testament law because of our sin. Our sin separates us from God. We know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know this. You've heard it proclaimed in this church. None of us can maintain the law. That is why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come and be the perfect spotless Lamb of God that was sacrificed on Calvary's cross where God's wrath was poured out on Him. Taking our sin upon His shoulders, being our substitute, taking God's wrath upon Him until the moment it was finished and He gave up His Spirit and was buried in a tomb and on the third day resurrected where He has ascended at the right hand of God and will return again. It is because of what Jesus has done that we are covered. We are saved. And we have the promise of grace and mercy that is given to us every day. Grace being this free gift of God to us. Thank God for it. Mercy being given to us. Thank God for it. But you got to remember, church, mercy is us not getting what we truly deserve. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve punishment. We deserve separation from God for eternity in hell. Wishing and, and praying and hoping that we can make it to heaven. At that point, it's too late. That's what we deserve. But God, we reference it a lot here. We reference Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. We have it on baptism t-shirts that are going to be done and used for in one week's time. 
We have it everywhere, and we proclaim it because it is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had for us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace we have been saved. So although we cannot obtain the law, because our sin separates us from God, God made the way through the finished work of our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for that, God. And it's because of that, it's because of that grace and that mercy that's been shown, that forgiveness that we have been given, that love that has been shown to us, that we should walk in obedience and not show partiality to anyone, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And lastly, as followers of Jesus Christ, we must live according to the law of liberty. Look at verse 12. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. Verse 12, we see the same wording here in law of liberty as we saw previously in chapter 1. And James, he wants the readers to understand that we are under this law of liberty. We have freedom in Christ. We have freedom from death of sin because of the salvation from our God through the finished work of Jesus, as I said. And church, we will all be judged by God. But that is the way it should be. Because as I said a few moments ago, He is sovereign. He is God over this world. He has the right to do so because of who He is. We should not be judgmental towards others. We should not show partiality. Only God has that right reserved to Him. And we can also point out from, from what we've seen so far and, and whatnot from this example and such that we also need to offer forgiveness to those who have offended us, for those who have harmed us. Because Christ, through this freedom that we get, has forgiven us. We have been forgiven of our transgressions. We have been forgiven of our sin that separates us from God because of Jesus and His finished work. In verse 13, the first part says, For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Now, those of you that have been journeying with us through our chronological reading plan, you've seen as we've been in the book of Proverbs somewhat, you can see that this wording here, this first part of 13, has got this um, almost this uh, Proverbs-type wording to it. But it says there that we have been shown mercy from God because of Christ. Thus, we should show mercy to others. If we show no mercy to others, then mercy will not be shown to us. Church, let me encourage you with something. If you are a regenerate believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have received that mercy. You know that mercy firsthand. You have experienced it in your life. No matter if you say right now, well, Brian, you don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I've done this week. You don't know what I thought this morning. You don't know the argument my wife and I got in this morning. You don't know how I treated her. Regardless of that, God daily, since the day you were saved, has continued continually until the day He calls you home and you see Him face to face, will continually show you that mercy and that grace. You must cry out repentance to Him. You must ask Him for forgiveness as we talked about a few months ago going through the spiritual disciplines, as we're going through the Lord's Prayer. Crying out to God, yes, we are saved, we are justified, but we must continually, daily, repent of our sins to Him and say, Lord, forgive me for what I've done against you today. 
We have that mercy that's given to us every single day. So how dare we not show that mercy to others? How dare we not show that love and compassion to others? That last part of verse 13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In the last days, the fruit of Christ's mercy in our lives will be seen as evidence of the saving work of what he's done in our lives. And we are called to be salt and light in this world. We are called to show this mercy. We are called to show this grace. We are called to show the love of Christ. And as we make our way now to the end of this, I just want to point out to you one last passage of Scripture that has been on my heart as I was looking through this passage, studying for this with James. And it's from Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 13-16. It says, in talking about those of us who are followers, you are salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's through our good works. It's through the way in which we treat people. It's through the way in which we engage with people, how we talk to others, how we don't show partiality. In all of those ways, we project the light of Christ in the midst of darkness. We tell the community that surrounds us that we are followers of Jesus. By the love that we show through different things that we do, we point everyone back to Christ. We must. The church, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you've heard this and maybe something has just been pointed out to you by the Spirit of God. Maybe you're saying, man, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but man, I, I've got some partiality that I've shown, that I'm currently showing. Maybe I'm treating people in, in, in a bad way. Maybe I'm not showing this love of Christ to others. Maybe I'm not loving my neighbor as myself. And I would encourage you, if, if the Holy Spirit is, is directing you in that and bringing about conviction about things, church, repent. Confess it to God and do repentance and, and do a 180 from it and make it right. Maybe you sit here today and you say, well, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus Christ. I don't know what it means to be salt of the earth. I don't know what it means to be light in the midst of darkness. I, I want to know more. What does that mean? I want to encourage you, just go right there to what you see on the screen, homesavenue.com forward slash contact. You can comment here on this thread right now on Facebook. Our pastors are right here. We're standing by. We're ready and willing to talk to you. We want to help you. We want to direct you. And, and, and Holmes Avenue folks that are followers of Jesus Christ and anybody else that's listening to this that's a follower of Jesus Christ, don't let the comments pass by. Don't let the, the private message pass by. Don't let the opportunity to go to this link and reach out pass you by. If you need to reach out about something, reach out. If you want to dialogue about something, let's dialogue. If you want to pray and have people pray for you, reach out. Let us know how it is that we can serve you. How it is that we can help you. You know, you've heard me 
and, and Walter, and, and, and we, we're promoting it, we're talking about it, we put it on Facebook and everything, but we are regathering next Sunday in person. Yeah, we're still going to have a stream going, and you'll be able to watch it online if you need to. We want to really encourage you to come and regather with us, church. And if you're listening to this right now, and you, one, don't have a church home, and you're like, man, I, I've been tuning in every week, and I'm, I'm interested in learning more about what it means to follow Jesus, or I do follow Jesus, but I've never been baptized, or I want to talk about church membership, whatever it may be, reach out to us. But I want to encourage you, if you are a follower of Christ, and you've never taken that step in baptism, next week would be a great week for you to do that. We've got an amazing day planned. God has been so good to us, church. We've been crying out in prayers to him, asking him for these things, asking for his spirit to move and work through us and do a powerful work through us in our community. We're seeing relationships be formed. We're seeing all kind of things happen. We're seeing fruit. And next Sunday is going to be a day that we celebrate what God is doing. And I say doing. I'm not going to say done because I don't believe that God is done. I believe that God is in the process of doing some amazing things before us that are going to leave us in awe. But what it's going to take is all of us, as faithful followers of Jesus Christ, living lives completely surrendered to him to do what he has called us to do. So for just a moment, I'm going to pause. I'm going to ask you to to pause and quietly reflect in prayer and ask God, Lord, what is it that you need me to do next? What is it that you're calling me to do? And if you feel the need, reach out and tell us. Let us know how we can come alongside of you and help you and equip you for that so you can be deployed on mission for God's glory. I'm going to pause and then I'll pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for passages like we see today in your word. I thank you for your word. I thank you for you and who you are. Sovereign God over this world. Loving your creation that sinned against you enough to send your only son to this earth. To stand in our place. We do not deserve that love, that grace, or that mercy. But thank you, Lord, for showing it to us. Thank you, Lord, for for giving us Jesus to take our place. You're so good, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that whatever you may be doing in someone that's listening right now's life, Lord, I pray. Lord, as your spirit convicts, as your spirit moves, Lord, that we would be obedient followers, that we would step out and say, hey, I need to talk. Hey, I need guidance. Hey, I I think God is calling me to this. Hey, I want to know what it means to follow Jesus. Hey, I want to take a step and be baptized because I do follow Jesus, but I've never been baptized. And Lord, in doing these things, we will rejoice and we will celebrate you and say thank you for what you have done and are doing because you're not finished yet. You've got many great things coming, Lord. I believe it. And Lord, I just pray that we would be faithful followers of you. Followers of Jesus Christ who show no partiality. Followers of Jesus Christ that love our neighbors as ourselves. 
followers of Jesus who live in light and remembrance of this law of liberty, this freedom we have in Christ. Use us for your glory, Lord. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us as we sing.